0: feel like
1: everybody's right and everybody's wrong
0: 100 why is this important why are we even going here he's helped a lot of guys he's also not had success with a lot of guys
1: come in with a purpose and they're very intentional with what they do and how they do it
0: from the majors to the sandlot baseball and softball share space in one place welcome to the farm system fellas 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 welcome back and the ladies to Just another episode up. of the farm almost every time. I almost I almost I almost forgot about him and then I was like, "Hold on a second. Premeditated. Yeah, right yeah, there. pretty in there. Um welcome back to another episode of the farm. Code we are back.
1: Another another uh, fine
0: day out here in the Vegas Valley. Right?
1: Right? Yeah, no, it's actually been cooling off a little bit. So,
0: yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to stay this cool. I think it's going <laughs> to get hot one more time yeah. before uh down in the valley. Yeah, one more time before getting down to the um into the October season. Usually, you know, out here in Vegas till the like basically like the weekend before uh Halloween is typically when it happens and I think that mm-hmm. that's like a huge, you know, time to make sure. But but yeah, it's been raining. Some good things are going on there. But uh, um floods, baby. Yeah. Well yeah, monsoon like that. season monsoon <laughs> season. <laughs> but what do you uh what do you, what do you got on your mind today, Co? Oh man,
1: I got I got tons of stuff on my mind. But uh the I mean we've had a lot of conversations about hitting and then uh, faith and Combining the two and all yeah. sorts of stuff, but yeah, it's like it's all one thing. Uh, I know, right? But uh, actually, something that's really been on my mind is just freshly. Yesterday was actually uh, at church and um, just a message that uh, that was uh, given at church, um, talking about uh, progress versus uh, like a progression mindset versus a destination mindset. Um, enjoying the journey and uh, you know how uh, how to do that and where to put your focus and. And why it's so important Um, and I think the message really resonated with me uh, uh, personally as someone who um, I would identify as like someone who tries to be a perfectionist and Mm -hmm. um, you know definitely that was a a similar message was given back when I was in college and you know really resonated with me and my performance and um and so uh i think it's a really good message that i'm going to share um with a lot of our hitters um mm. even if you know you don't go to church and that's not your background just the message as a whole um of uh, perfectionism wisdom, and, yeah, yeah. and you know um why trying to be perfect um and putting your identity in that will ultimately let you down but focusing on um the progressions and where you've come from and um, you know, setting goals and stuff like that. And so, um, you know, uh, that's on my mind immediately, uh, for a lot mm-hmm. of hitters, I think it's really, uh, valuable. I think it's important to look at the macro and the big, the big picture. I also think it's really important to look at the micro and the small picture and, um, understanding how they work together, but also if you get so focused on one or the other, how you can lose sight of, um, you know, the other as well and get lost and lose your focus on, uh, what's really happening. So, um, yeah, you know, I'll let you unpack what you think about, uh, of all that and stuff, um, you know, in your life and as a hitter and, um, stuff like that, um, as a coach, but, uh, yeah, that's what's immediately, you know, where my, my brain goes. So,
0: yeah, no, no, I mean, I think the, um obviously process with that is like again one thing that the first thing that first led me to the bible in the first place is there's obviously wisdom um in in the bible right like again if you want to associate it with god or not or if you want to associate it just in general like life practices of just wisdom about um you know uh, just how to navigate through and i think the obviously big part with there for for hitters on the same side of that one of the things I always tell them you hear me say this a million times too it's like you're gonna be working on your swing for the rest of your career so stop Mm -hmm. thinking that there's a place that you're gonna get to Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you know and and again corresponding that over with the message that I got also from uh, yesterday as well is this thought process of you know understanding that Uh, We think that all of a sudden I'll have confidence in my swing or I'll have confidence in my uh, performance or I'll have all these other things once my swing gets to this Mm -hmm. place. Once I don't have these problems in my swing anymore, once I don't have these issues, then I'll be a confident hitter. Then I'll be able to hit the numbers that I want to hit. Then I'll want to do all these X, Mm -hmm. Y, and Z. Um, and while there is obviously a factor of like how I move is going to, you know, again, and when I have these results, that's also going to create uh, confidence in myself as a hitter and all those other things, too. Um, I think it, it's, it's one thing to I think one thing to understand is that w- there's multiple ways of receiving confidence um, and some of it is. Very easily to be taken away from you, mm-hmm. and there's also a deeper confidence of it. Really, doesn't matter the circumstance. It doesn't matter, you know, what's going on. Of like, where does my confidence, like you know, come mm-hmm. from in myself? Um, uh, is it based on situation where it's like I'm just the best player on the field, so I'm confident, mm-hmm. or everybody's giving me praise, so I'm confident. Uh, my coach believes in me, so I'm confident. Mm-hmm. My friends believe in me, so I'm confident. My parents are a good support system, so I'm confident. Um, you know, or is it more of an internal job, right? That's mm-hmm. happening where it's something that's more self-sustained. Um, and when I say self-sustained, uh, coming through your relationship with God, um, mm-hmm. when it's not external, like worldly, uh, from that from that way as well. So there's like a lot of perspectives, obviously from. You know, that side of things of like where... Um, I pull that actual confidence from is there one that could be, actually be sustained or is it something that's more momentary and it's like man like for those three weeks I was super confident um, but it was because all these circumstances lined up and it was mm-hmm. you know because you know we got to the ballpark on time and I was playing at a tournament where you know I was one of the best players there um, our team was you know demolishing everybody almost every single game so I had a lot of confidence because we were up by six every time I came up to hit mm-hmm. um, you know there's all of those things that can come into it where again it can be very circumstantial and I gonna mean, I think that when I played that, you know, a lot of times, too, my confidence was very circumstantial, uh, depending on a lot of different factors. Or, for example, sometimes I'd get have a lot of confidence because uh, the other team made me really angry. Mm -hmm. Right. And they got me fired up. And I was like locked in because I just like I'm not going to lose these. You know, like it, it came from that other place of. Made some things that didn't have the greatest byproducts afterwards and, you know, didn't make me the best human off the field Mm -hmm. uh, when I thought about things that way. So I think there's a lot of ways where, again, exactly like you're saying, too, and then foundationally how the macro advises the micro Mm -hmm. um, and then how the micro creates the macro, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, those things together for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think another thing, too, is uh, uh, as, as I've coached more and more athletes now is the. I would say one of the biggest unlocks too, from a coaching perspective is one communication, like just first and foremost, like being able to communicate with the players and like build a relationship with them. So um, you can reach a different understanding of what you're actually trying to get across to them. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, let's just like, that's super, super important right up top. But um, also too, is understanding uh, how they think so you know better how to communicate them from building that relationship, and like you were saying, the macro and the micro of how it goes in into play is in the understanding their their uh, actual circumstances. And so, um, you know, I'll use examples because I know we've kind of talked about is like using uh, particular examples here in house and mm. um, how valuable it is. Uh, you know, uh, learning lessons for other coaches as well as you know we have we have players that, um, and I can think of a couple in particular that over the last year have, um, they've grown a lot and they've improved a lot. Right. And, you know, uh, for a lot of reasons, you know, they're, they're early in high school, they're going through puberty, they're getting stronger. They, they do come here more often than most people like they're hitting consistently. And, um, you know, uh, there's a lot of factors that go into play, um, with that, but learning a lot about, okay. You know, this is I can start to sense when they're losing confidence in what they're doing, maybe at that particular week because of whatever is happening. Like, mm. oh, it's my first time playing in two months because, you know, we went on vacation and this and that and school started. It's like so they've my, lost confidence. My and, coach said this. My yeah, friend
0: right. said this. So whatever, my, whatever it is. Whatever. Right? And,
1: yeah. and, and they've lost confidence because. Um, they haven't been doing it as much recently for the last couple months, Mm -hmm. right? And understanding that the conversation that I'm having with him right now is gonna be way different than what I'm having with the guy standing right next to him Mm -hmm. who's been playing and been coming because they haven't been on vacation and, and understanding the importance of like, the the conversations are going to be very different, even though those two players play in the same team mm. and they both come and hit at the same area and they yeah. have the same coaches at high school.
0: Bro, I, I thought you were just teaching people to kick
1: back. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> well, most of the time, actually. my bad. I didn't know you were actually but, coaching. My, no, my, I've been I, trying I, to grow. True. I've been trying to grow. Actually, <laughs> you know, Tank's gotten gotten into my heart a little bit. So, <laughs> um, but you know, is understanding the different conversations that need to happen, and then also to understanding the importance of short term success to to create some buy in to get bigger you know, changes and bigger improvements to happen with players is, you know, some of them need to go feel like there is an immediate response, whether it be they go, you know, uh, two for two today, or they just feel like they were, you know, felt better. They were hitting the ball hard. They were seeing the ball, but whatever. Right. They need that immediate feedback so that they can kind of let their guard down a little bit to be more open to like, Hey, like, you know, spring season's a few months from now. Like if we want to be where we want to be in, you know, come springtime, like, these are the bigger adjustments that need to happen, right, it's like, we can just keep throwing band-aids on problems, but where you say you want to be in the spring, like, uh, just throwing band-aids, it's all gonna, your is gonna be rocked, you know, come springtime, and, and everything, and then also, you know, right next to him is another player that's like, I I could go 0 for my next 12, like, I'm in, like, my goal is to get to college, and I got two more years, and like, you tell me what to do, I'll do it. I don't care if I go 0 for 12 today, 0 for 12 the next weekend. I don't care. Like, mm. I'm in. And understanding, you know, how to, you know, manage those relationships and how to communicate and also, you know, putting importance in, like, yeah, you are looking at big picture, but, you know, getting a hit, getting a couple hits this weekend also sure helps, like, you know, get on the field come mm. springtime or, um, you know, and then also, to communicating to the other one, like, you go for 2, so what? Like, it's 2 at-bats. You know, you get eight more at-bats, let's just go in a a section of 10 at-bats. Like, you get three hits in your next eight at-bats, you're hitting 300 over the last 10 at-bats. You know, and looking at, you know, that's not even a big picture when you can go seasonally. But for
0: for, for a freshman specifically or for um, a player, I I remember this other thing, too. It matters also what high school you play at and how many opportunities you get, too, because you're trying to make the most out of all your opportunities. But, like, the hard part, obviously, along with that, right, is – you know, again, I played at a high school that I got 10 run all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I only had very limited bats yeah. in high school. Right. So it's like, if I went over for a day, like it affected my batting average a time, uh-huh. you know, and, and then also when I was putting my worth, when I was putting my worth in, um, how I, or my confidence at least. Right. Which is also tied to your worth that way. Right. Like if I was putting all of that, um, into my numbers, like that was a big deal, and it really affected my confidence. If I was, you know, I thought I was a 300 hitter because I was batting 300, right? Or I thought I was a, um, or I thought I was a 200 hitter because I was batting uh, 200, or you know, all those things because that's how it was. When in, I, in reality, that had nothing to do with me as a baseball player. Like, mm-hmm. sure, at the end of the year, I, I can I could look back at his feedback, and yes, you don't want to push all that stuff out of the way, but also to learning how to be become a hitter is, you know, like hey, like. Um, you know, again, like you might have not have started so hot. You might've uh, started really hot just because, okay, are you a 800 hitter because you're at batting 800 this week or, mm-hmm. you know, X, Y, and Z, like, no, Hey, like again, some things have fell my way or, mm-hmm. or, or done whatever. Right. And I, and I think the progressions of that, of just like understanding too, sometimes, um, a lot of times, especially it's an area that is very unique often to a lot of young hitters mm. because one they probably never face failure mm-hmm. a lot of them too that it was like they get to high school and this might be the first time they've ever failed in their life and they're yeah. used to hitting 700 every tournament yeah. so they're like they're like oh i'm betting 200 and then also too they've never had to compete then mm-hmm. they're had to compete for a position where there's four guys standing behind them trying to play the same role and if they don't play like they were just like oh i'm gonna go get a- jump on another club ball team well you can't do that in high school Like Mm -hmm. you can't just hop around. Right. And again, like maybe you do you go to the other high school. Guess what? There's four guys also trying to play that position. Right. So it's like Mm -hmm. you got to face all of that as well. Right. So it's like and and then it's like, okay, I can go over here. Great. There's not four guys trying to play my position, but I'm the best player on the team. But that's also a problem because that means that we're not pretty we're not too good. Mm -hmm. Right. And like um, I'm not getting pushed every rep to be better and all of those things as well. And again, a lot of hitters, let's say, but I say that, that a lot of times it happens with a lot of youth players because most people do struggle when they're younger at those levels. Mm -hmm. Um, But you have players that the same thing is like, they've never struggled in high school. Mm -hmm. They never struggled in college, right? right? And they don't have to deal with that until they actually got to the pro level and Mm -hmm. like deal with that. And that's where everybody's like on a different journey. But like learning, learning that thought process of like, um, and learning how to actually be a hitter um and actually again like more of an elite mindset of like learning how to actually compete um you know can be a a a big thing when it comes because if that's the case right like if everybody was super predictive um and we wanted to make it about like not circumstantial things and like everybody no matter what situation would always perform at the same level Mm -hmm. um then like you know gambling would be very algorithm based Mm -hmm. right where it's like there was nothing left up to individual circumstance there was nothing led up to the momentum of the game there was nothing led up to how the team's been playing the last 10 games Mm -hmm. or x y and z like there would be no there would be no human element it would all be yeah straight Mm -hmm. you know algorithms and you know it produces this outcome almost every single time within a certain amount of uh, like error and that's just that's why we value consistency so much in the game of baseball because it's not like that Mm -hmm. right and there is a human element of failing and momentum and um, getting your mind back right, and also too, you got 162 games at the pro level, right? Like um, a lot of other levels, like too, and it could feel like that even at the youth level, right? Because they're playing so many games yeah, now, a lot. Um, where it's like, man, like it's like you know, but it's still different, right? It's it's a very different game where like it's more like life when you get to the pro level, where it's every day, mm-hmm. it's relentless, it's 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 not oh. I only got five games this week, right? Or in three of them are going to be in two days, right? It's no, I got games every single day and I have three off days the entire month mm. to reset. And also too, I'm not with my family and I'm not with my support system and I'm not with all these other things. A lot of these players are like understanding that, like a lot of players, like in high school, you're still going home to mom's home cooked meal tonight yeah. or doing whatever, right? Like you're not going, like college is a whole nother level. You're going back to your, room with your six roommates and your and your hot dogs that you're eating and and you know and again great if you played at the power five level and you had food catered to you and you got your card and all those other things like a great amazing um but majority of the nation that is not the case Mm -hmm. majority of the nation is playing somewhere and living in a town that they would like not to live in and they would never live there with their family Mm -hmm. a lot of people are going to schools or. you know, again, in situations where like there isn't food that's, you know, catered, you're not eating the most healthy options. Like, you know, I was just talking to, um, a page about this other day with her being at Oregon. Right. It's like when they travel and like how they do their food and like all those other things and the options they have and all this. It's like, bruh, like, we yeah, we had, <laughs> we had $5. We're stopping at some random place yeah, a gas station. at a, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and like you're getting this pizza that the gas station serves yeah. or you know like we've got a golden corral or something it was like oh we yeah. we crushed it's it right? right like we it's turned like let's get it like we're about to eat yeah. right but it's like like they had to warn us not to eat the, like eat too much right like yeah. because it just wasn't options and and coaches did everything they could it's just working on limited mm-hmm. budgets and and also too i don't know if it's you know different i haven't been out of college now for a good decade oh yeah right oh we yeah. getting old Um, Yeah, like if it's, you know, again, and I know that there's a lot of budget restrictions still in a lot of ways. And also, too, it's what coaches prioritize, right? If it's you need to get we needed to get new uniforms this year. And to do that, we had to cut it from this other area or, um, you know, again, and also different situations and what player what type of players you have. If you are recruiting a whole bunch of players that the families don't have money and they can't really, you know, lend support or the school's super expensive because, you know, again, it's a private school or. This kid's out of state, and so he's got to pay more money out of pocket. So his individual situation, like you're saying, too. But I think that the bigger thing is to open that up into a broader arena, right, that it could be at every stage and every age. Like, they could be dealing with these things. And as a coach, like, being mindful of that, of, like, what their actually current situation is and how that player may be living. Or Mm -hmm. obviously the culture of your club. Like, you know, again, you might be in a junior college program. That majority of your club is from out of state and – you know, that, that's just the current situation, and most of them live off campus because you guys don't have a lot of on-campus options that make sense. Like, for example, mm-hmm. junior college for me, they told us that um, um, it was way cheaper to stay off campus because it was, mm-hmm. right? My rent was $200 when I was off campus, mm-hmm. Right weed California
1: mm-hmm.
0: right weed California um again if you haven't been or looked it up weed is actually a real place weed California weed weed California off the five on your way to Oregon right at the very top 45 minutes from Oregon um in, in California and you know when we looked at that for example it's like hey like you can get you can rent an apartment here uh, a two-bedroom apartment here for 600 bucks and three of us stayed in there one of us stayed in the living room mm-hmm uh, the other two had our own room also too like that you know we have options of like you know again if, like you want a, a bunk bed or whatever you want to do like you know in college you over there doing the thing <laughs> tanky <you>, having a, <laughs> having a whole thing's uncomfortable com- we get hey, comfortable there we over go. here he's got to see you right, is what yeah, it thank you there he is like, like something's going on i also gotta watch Security, your dad you know, you know what i'm saying i got a lot of roles over here <laughs> i gotta do a lot of things but like having that whole thing together it's like you know again like you know again i was paying 200 dollars in rent um every single month um and obviously living on campus was very different. Yeah. And, and, and very, and then my first year I was out of state. I didn't have all these things like it's junior college in, in California is great when you're in state
1: mm-hmm.
0: you're out of state, like you're paying three times money. as much as what everybody else is paying. Right. So my first year was a, a real struggle. And then also learning how to adapt to, um, you know, like managing my own money and, and also getting a large sum of money at the same time. Right. Um if you're only used to like mom and dad giving you here's 20 bucks it kind of sets you like a budget right but i remember the first time when i got my first money from my my money like the first time i got a check yeah i bought a glove yeah right? Like yeah, a I immediately, I'm like, oh I'm, oh, I'm rich. I got money flowing. I got thousands of dollars on my yeah. bank account. Let's get it. Meanwhile, not understanding that that's supposed to last me four and a half months right. and like, overestimating how much that money's going to stretch. And it really wasn't that much money yeah. and not realizing how much my parents supported me and my you know, situation helped me because I got to live at home and like, I didn't have this expense and didn't have, you know, uh, didn't have to pay for my breakfast and didn't have to pay for Mm. this. And then also, you know, grabbing snacks at the convenience store at night because you know, whatever, whatever. Right. And then you start looking at your money. You're like, man, like I'm out of cash. Right. Um, So you're learning all those skills at the same time. So it could be, it could be difficult um, in all levels. And like being mindful as that as a coach is like what position your player is actually in and like all the skills that are being developed Mm -hmm. right now. And then the last thing I think that will add to that is when you look at that and you realize the same thing too is, okay, what's being learned along this journey and what is God using in this, these problems that I have, right? What is God using these problems to develop in me right now, right? And that's the journey part of it compared to like who, like who I'm becoming is the reward, mm-hmm. right? Who I'm becoming as a person, how I'm again processing information, like the the struggle on the same side of that. We do everything like the human brain is literally designed to do the opposite. It's designed to survive, mm-hmm. so it's trying to do is it wants as little pain as it can, like as little pain. Like do everything you can to avoid pain, setbacks, you know, um, hurdles. You know, all it, it wants to do the opposite, right? It wants everything to be smooth. But meanwhile, the opposite side of that, right? It's like, it's like also like, again, like we talk about, like working out, it's, it's very tough because the body doesn't want to work out in the sense of, in the sense of the short term, right? Short term, it's like, it's going to take a lot out of me. It's going to take a lot of energy. It's going to make like, again, like my body right now does not want to (laughs) go run around the block Mm -hmm. or go run this mile or do X, Y, and Z, right? Um, And yes, you can get to the other side where your body starts craving the workouts and all these other things. Like I believe me, I've done plenty of my life on Mm -hmm. that side of the things, Right. But constantly on the other side, that, though, like, you know it would be really good for me? To probably go do all those things that my body doesn't want to go do. Mm-hmm. That isn't always the case, right? Like, again, I've been on the other side where my brain wanted – or my body wanted – or I was my – brain was overruling my body and like I needed to rest and I wanted just to go train and needed to slow myself down. But most of the people, especially for a majority part of your life, everybody lives on the opposite side of the spectrum where there's Mm -hmm. a lot of things that we should be doing that, you know, again, that we won't prioritize, like let that be sleep, let that be diet, let that be, you know, again, exercise, let that be X, Y, and Z, right. That is on the opposite side of that spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of players will live on the opposite side of that spectrum um, and won't be as driven Mm -hmm. um, with that. And so um, I think that that's, The other part is like if we can value and as a coach, you can value more like what they're learning along that journey rather than it being like a right now, like who they are in evaluation. I think it's a very different place
1: Mm -hmm. Um, from like a macro and micro from a player perspective. uh, I think we covered quite a few uh, of those topics, which I think I definitely resonated with from that message this weekend, but also from a coaching perspective, too. I started telling you earlier, and you, you you made me you made me wait and write it down <laughs> so so we could do it on the podcast. But um, but yeah, I was actually uh, that actually struck an interest uh, for me to go back, and I think this is really valuable, and I should do this more often um, from a coaching perspective. Is going back and looking at uh, old videos of like some stuff that I was doing, how I was training hitters, mm-hmm. um, how I was communicating. Um, and then also to like old programs that maybe i put together and seeing like where my brain was at, why I was doing it, um, why I stopped doing some of the stuff I was doing, et cetera. Um, and I thought it was really interesting is, um, one of the notes that I, I put down that I noticed I did a lot more than I have been recently is I used to use a lot more constraints than I have been Mm -hmm. recently. Um, and I thought, I thought it was interesting is, um. Felt like you were
0: getting QE or what?
1: Yeah, as is. So uh, you run into uh, this is me personal reflection is I feel like we've had uh, quite a few hitters that have been here for a while mm-hmm. that are starting to understand, you know, things a lot deeper than you know two years ago. Obviously, you know, you do it for a couple years and you're around, you know, uh, other hitters that are like minded. Is they're starting to understand things, but then I, I kind of had the reflection of like. Yeah, maybe they understand it better up here, but their body still doesn't understand how to accomplish what mm. they think they're trying to do. Yeah. And to maybe maybe they understand it a little bit. And then I was giving them almost I don't want to say more credit than than where it was cuz I mean I've been a player and I like, you know, I thought I knew it and then I thought I knew it and not that I know it all now, but you know, as a hitter I thought I knew everything until I started learning more and I was like, wow
0: well you know. <laughs> well the other the other thing i think is like a, a something to be like mindful of as a as a coach that you fall into too as well is when you know it very well and then they hit keywords mm-hmm. and they hit certain things that you're like you know what they're trying to explain mm-hmm. but if they were explaining it to someone that didn't understand it yeah how much that actually shows. It's not when you talk to someone that actually understands it, but when you're trying to explain to somebody that doesn't understand it, right. then this is when the teaching actually begins, right? Because the other one is like, you're not, they're not teaching you, right? They're just bringing up things that you already know. So it can almost be like a build a not accurate, like unaccurate, mm-hmm. Unaccurate representation of what they really know in your head Mm -hmm. um, because you assume because they're saying certain things right and it's the same thing like staff wise like when I'm training hitting coaches like same thing happens to me too it's like they're saying things and I'm like but the biggest thing is like watching them teach Mm -hmm. right watching them teach and like watching you guys teach other hitters. Um, when your guys are creating content or doing those things, right? Like, and then like, obviously as that flips into a player mindset too. It's like, Mm. that's why I also want to have them in groups and they're teaching each other. That's why I'll even ask them. I'll be like, Hey, like, you know, Johnny rocket, like teach, uh, Mm. you know, uh, Phil the hamster, uh, how to do X, Y, and Z. Right. Um, and like, I'll watch them explain it because then they actually show me what they don't and where the holes are in their knowledge. Right. Or how they perceive it or how they how they show it. Um, And so a lot of times you got to almost, you know, kind of play that other side where it's like, yes, like I could explain it to him, but Mm -hmm. you're right here. So I'm going to have you walk through it. And then I'll just fill in the gaps, Mm -hmm. like obviously of that knowledge. Um, Or probe you to bring up something that maybe you do know, you just haven't brought it up. And I'd be like, yeah. And then I'm like, yes, that's exactly right. Unless there's a this, right? you know, mm-hmm. Johnny rocket, whatever. And then he's like, he's like, he's like, Oh yeah. And if that happens, then you got to go do blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay. Right. Then that starts getting him into also when he presents it, that he brings up that other spot and being like, Hey, and what might happen is this. And if that is to happen, like, you know, it's like, if you're giving somebody directions, Hey, if you drive down the street and you get to the corner store, turn right. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you forgot that there was a closed, like, you know, um, you know, the, whatever the bank took it back, whatever, yeah. whatever it is, right. There's a closed old gas station that was on the way, but you don't even think of that closed gas station because like, you're like, no one goes there for gas. Like it's not even a mm. corner store. But then like someone that's given this advice multiple times and like the thing, he might go, Hey, so you can drive down the street. There's gonna be a closed gas station on your left-hand side. Don't turn at that one. When you mm-hmm. get up to the next one, um, at the front, it's going to be a, a quickies or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're going to take a left at that light, and you're going to go here, right? And that then you start getting that other side of, like, you know, again, and also teaching them, obviously, to be uh, coaches and things like that as well. But, yeah. you know, something that can happen. Yeah,
1: no, definitely. And that that's kind of the route I was going was, you know, you get around enough of these, like, some of these kids that have been here for a couple of years, and and you start to – or I started to get a little QE, like you were saying, yeah. with them, which some of them – take pretty well but yeah. some of them don't obviously yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and then especially to when you it's have it's bad when you start getting better at it too yeah, right and right? then and so then, as you start getting better at cue then, you start wanting to cue a lot well that's what and then i started like almost like competing with myself of like mm-hmm. okay what what cue could i give that's better to get them to actually do it yeah. rather than you know the just create the environment use the like you know i used a hurdle with a with a hitter last weekend or last week um that you know, I tried queuing them for five minutes to do and I put a hurdle there and it's like it just, done. You know, it. right? And then too that that constraint then created a cue that yes. I didn't have to randomly yes. come and up with you can five queue later queues. Yeah. Right. And then it, that creates the feeling that they're, you know, that they're chasing and then they can yeah. and then too, the fun one is like then they can even come up with their oh, own cue. I,
0: I also want to also wanna shove the brakes right here because I know someone's gonna go super deep on the other side of that. Yeah, that's why we should be using way more constraint-led approach mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. okay hold on hold on let me go on the other side of this okay cues are stupid effective like stupid effective. Very. if i can give you okay and this is how i tell you how valuable a cue is i can give you the wrong verbal cue and destroy your movement pattern mm-hmm. imagine how much positive it can do for you yeah. Yeah, right yeah. so if you're all the thing is like oh um i'm not you know this is why i don't use a lot of cues or i only use external cues And I don't use internal cues. Okay. Let me let me bring you, let me save you years of struggle. Okay. Try to raise your kid with only cues or only constraints. Mm -hmm. Right? Well, I'm just gonna keep constraining it and I'm never gonna say anything about it. It's like, why would you want to limit a tool that you Mm -hmm. have? And it goes both ways. It's not, and I just want to make sure, like on the other side of this, right? It's like what will happen is I've seen people go crazy down the constraint route or crazy down the queue route or crazy down the external queues and no internal cues. like one time i'll spill the beans on this one one time one time i was at a okay. convention one time i won't even name the convention one time i was at a convention and somebody came up to me that was like, kind of uh uh on their their way of like driving like a bigger social media following on on, on social media um and they were like yeah, like I never use internal cues. You know, that stuff doesn't, you know, X, Y, and Z, like went in on internal cues, like how bad they were, all these other things. And I'm like, I'm like, okay. You know, just, you know, it wasn't the time or the place to like bring it up or all the things. And they wanted me to do a demonstration with them and then like be their athlete that they were doing the demonstration with. So I went up there and I started doing the thing and then they immediately gave me an internal cue. Mm-hmm. Immediately did it, it fixed the problem and then I stopped doing it but they were adamant that they don't use internal cues, right? And this is where it's, like, interesting about, like, what people say compared to what they actually do. Mm -hmm. Watching a coach coach rather than listening to them talk about coaching Mm -hmm. or you can pick up very different things. They may be very adamant against this, and they're like— for example, they're like, "Um, you know, I don't ever think about my hands, and I don't ever think about my legs, or I never even— blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, but they do that very well, right? So it's like, on the other side of that, it's like, that can all be that mix and just like understanding that constraints um words are also constraints Mm -hmm. right they're they're creating mental constraints in their head like they're thinking that there is a hurdle in front of them or they're believing that like any ball not hit over this speed right like that's a you're giving them a target right an external something like that they're trying to hit a ball that hard that is creating a constraint in their head where like slow isn't an option right Mm -hmm. it's a so so you are a constraint-led approach is not uh, you know a physical you know it doesn't need to be a block it doesn't mm-hmm. need to be um, you know a target it doesn't need to be all these other things like words are also constraints mm-hmm. um, because they're creating mental constraints in their head of what options are no longer available or what they're shooting for mm-hmm. and so I think that that's another thing for uh, you know people to get in that same w- way of that it's not it's not saying that like oh right well that's why we need to get away from cues no it saying that again, like to better utilize it, remember that you have another tool in this toolbox. Yes. You could use your screwdriver and yes, it would work. It might take longer, but like, what tool do you need mm-hmm. right now to get the result that you're going to get there to the quickest? Do you need to go in there and grab your, you know, tire iron instead mm-hmm. of a, you know, instead of a, uh, you know, Crescent wrench right now, or, you know, like tools. whatever, right? Okay. Like you start going through these other things. It's like, I just had the wrong tools. Like this other tool would work, but if I had this other tool, it'd save me, mm-hmm. you know, four months. Right. Right. And so it's, it's not about one or the other. It's, it's using what you need. And also two. how does your athlete's brain work?
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Like, is this athlete, if I give them a bunch of verbal cues, right? Are they going to get super heady?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And they just can't handle that. Yeah. Or, and are they more of an athletic base and like maybe tossing them med balls or giving them, you know, those are things that that's going to clean up a lot because there's a lot of athletes where it's like, you could cut all those constraints, all this athletic stuff. It's like, they physically can't do it yet or they can't get, they haven't trained their body to move that way. So it's like, again, are we waking up a pattern? Mm-hmm. Is it a pattern that they already have ingrained? Is it something that we've already built up? Is it, right. you know, something we're regressing from? Is it what part of the year are they in? Is it, mm-hmm. um, you know, who's delivering it, right? If, if I delivered it compared to you delivered it, right, where it might not even be the word choice that I'm using. And it could be, it could be my word choice, tone, all these other things. Mm-hmm. It could just be because they trust me more. Mm-hmm. And so it works and it doesn't work for you. Yeah. I could walk in and say the same cue you gave them 20 minutes ago, but they just can they just committed to it because I said it too mm-hmm. or I was the second one to say it. It might not even be that it's me. Mm-hmm. It might be that it's two people saying it. Mm-hmm. Right? That oh, here's another person telling me the same exact thing, right? Um and that becomes, you know, a major factor too as well for like athletes and um that's why it's all so context based and it's not um and that's why I feel like I can talk about hitting forever because of that because we can talk about all these different scenarios and all these different experiences Mm -hmm. like everybody wants it to be like if it's this then i do this and if it's Mm -hmm. that then i do that and if it's here i do that right it's like no no no. like based on yes there is sometimes where like groupings and buckets and certain you know general responses will take care of a lot of issues but also too there's a lot of it like where you become like as you're coaching like you build more specialties um and also too we're more um our type of coaching styles or who we are as a person are going to connect with certain people. And Mm -hmm. it's also going to push other people away. Mm -hmm. And so knowing that and, you know, like figuring out like, you know, again, where you mesh the best and how you relate best with the athlete is going to be very different, obviously from person to person. Like I can say stuff that you can't say. Right. And then Mm -hmm. you can say stuff that, you know, I can't say just because of the relationship and stuff that you built compared to what I have built.
1: The constraints too is not saying, you know, going all like, all the athletes from here on out, I'm just going to use constraints, but again, reprioritizing that as a valuable tool to use with some of the yes. athletes to, to also to, to some of their point is just some conversations that, that we've had or I've had with some of them is like, you know, uh, we'll use a constraint and one of them rightfully so as I encourage most of our hitters is to like, you know, have some thought process and like, you know, try to take some ownership in their thought process as well as, some of them will ask, well, how do I, how do I take this feel into my game swing when I take the hurdle away, which is Mm. a great question. Right. Mm. And then, you know, so going back to the constraint led approach, like, okay, so we're just going to only use constraints. What happens when they get in game? Like, they're Mm -hmm. not going to have that hurdle there. They're not going to have a yoga block. They're not. So again, like there is an art of like, okay, blending talk, like having that communication with them about the feels that they're you know uh they're having now um and then also too it's like starting to to take some of the tools let's say um one of the the um i have it in my head one of the videos i have is like i got a hurdle inside my back leg and i'm striding over a hurdle that's right next to my left foot and i'm landing on a farm board so it's like constraining my stride a lot mm-hmm. and it's like okay well, then maybe the first step is to take one of the hurdles away and then the other hurdle, then the farm board or maybe mm. the farm board. It's like, you know, there's ways to blend it out so they keep the mm. feel, And then maybe we add one of the, you know, the hurdles back when they leave yeah. that field. And two, it's just like you could go all the way down that constraint led approach. But also, too, it's like yeah. there is an art well, in communicating that. So like when they do get to game time, like, yeah. you know, they have to be able to to. Not necessarily mimic that exact move, obviously, you gotta know how but to per- be effective. Yeah,
0: and we, and you gotta just you gotta know how to blend. My my favorite thing with a lot of studies too, and like how people like interpret these things too is, well. It's like, well, I use a constraint, it didn't work, so constraints don't work. No, like, or, or again, and it usually happens the opposite way. People are usually really bad at cueing, mm. and so they want to give externals because it's easier, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of studies, for example, that uh, emphasize that external cues are so much better than internal cues. Well, yeah, because you have a scientist trying that to, is yeah. trying to cue up human movement yeah. that is not their forte, mm-hmm. where another coach in there that knows how to really cue, and especially this other thing, we talk about this all the time, if you're going to use internal cues, you probably should know anatomy pretty yeah. well. You need to know, you need to know what muscles and what are doing what, and what is currently happening which ties in kinesiology biomechanics all these other things when you do all of those other things internal cueing becomes a very useful tool to you Mm -hmm. when you don't have that you're only you're speaking from like oh hey you know again if you don't know how fascial lines run and or all these Mm -hmm. other things or how the body sequences or firing patterns or you don't know anything about cns or you don't know any of the like physiology or like Muscle spindles or like any of these other things, like okay, and you don't need to know all of that to start cueing and use internal cues. It just makes your internal cues way better, Mm -hmm. right? By far, okay. So then you see a lot of results using external, and they're like, yeah, that's why I use. Yeah, I bet you 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 do use. You're probably really good at using external uh, cues or constraints, and that use that works better for you Mm -hmm. because you're not the best internal cueer, right? Right, or you're bad at doing constraints and you only know how to cue. Mm -hmm. Some guys, for example, a lot of coaches that want to do everything with like old school, like bat, ball, flips, BP, that's it. Mm -hmm. You know know what they love to do? They love the cue, Mm -hmm. right? And go, yeah, you know, it feels like, Mm -hmm. you know, and try to do this with your knee and blah, 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 and they never use constraints, mm-hmm. right? And they never, like, when you put an L screen or, you know, again, like we do certain things, like they rarely use constraints the opposite way. And then, like, again, the, the game kind of went that direction. And then, again, probably too far one way or another, right? Where it's like they, they're all very useful tools, right? Like it's not about, you know, again, it's not about what's my favorite, right? Donnie used to tell me this all the time. It's not about what's your favorite. It's what they need. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how you like to coach. What do they need? Maybe this is an opportunity. For example, I've had players that forced me to be very constraint heavy. Mm -hmm. So they taught me as a coach to be very, learn how to use constraints when I need to use them. Mm -hmm. Or other players that are very, you know, that or the certain circumstance. uh, For example, certain players, they need a lot of internal cues or I might be in an environment. I don't, maybe we're not in our cage. I don't have 50 implements or everything I could use to best constrain this to get to some other level. So instead, I only have, you know, a belt from their pants and whatever, right? And I'm, I'm over here like I'm breaking out of a prison and I gotta figure out what the three things I have, how I can use that to best serve this athlete at the mm-hmm. time. And I gotta problem solve and figure that out, right? And so when I do that, like, that's what I'm trying to say. It's like, as a coach, you get very skillful in those different types of environments. And if you wanna get better at a coach, um, at better as a coach is to put yourself in some of those environments, right? Mm-hmm. Especially if you have more of like a membership setup like ours is that you could set them up. Like for example, um, I think I've told you this one before is like Randy Sullivan over at Florida baseball Armoring. Um, I don't know if they still do this, but at one time when he would hire coaches, he would tell them that like you, you can't cue them for the first two months. Mm-hmm. Like you only can use constraints. Right. And so that would train their coaches, right? Like to, learn how to use constraints and force them um out of that to like really get good at something right like if i told a pitcher like hey you can't you know we used to do this uh when pitchers start their their first in the fall you can't use anything but a fastball Mm -hmm. you can use a cut sink plus minus your fastball but you got to learn how to pitch with your fastball once you learn how to pitch with your fastball you can take that one pitch into five pitches right okay now that you have all that can we do you know the other things mm-hmm. right and that's that's and then you can do that as a coach too right in a way of like it's a it's a systematic way or a training you know attempt like to train the coach on how they actually utilize some of those mm-hmm. different tools and like what they do you know
1: yeah yeah and then too another thing with all that is like again going back to communication kind of tying it together is uh the the it's been really unique uh being i never really coached on the field i know mm-hmm. you coach in the field i went straight from like playing to like Privately training is uh, it's interesting seeing kids that all of our kids obviously go to schools or play on other teams, so they hear other voices, which too, not a problem at all. The but it's interesting, kind of fun. Yeah, there's variables. Yeah, right. Is like it's interesting and it's fun to kind of see. Um, and I'll just use a an example that we have is they play for a coach that is very cue heavy, mm-hmm. and it frustrates the player because the cues that they're getting aren't working with them Mm -hmm. Um, again possibly a situation like you're saying they're just not a great cure yeah and they're not getting results so then when they come in here and i try to give a cue it doesn't resonate Mm -hmm. because they already have this block in their brain like i don't want to be cued every time they tell me something every time they tell me something like bad things happen now i got 10 things in my brain and i can't even i don't even know what i'm doing anymore right and it's it's interesting getting the different dynamics of yeah of athletes and how they're being communicated with and like you know and then maybe on the flip side you know maybe they have a coach that gave him a cue that really worked and it's like yeah. all right cool let's ride that wave let's use that cue in here to help you accomplish you know yeah. what we're trying to accomplish rather than running from it but yeah
0: yeah well as i will just say the the uh, probably a one liner that is for everybody to remember with that right is is going is going just because a constraint didn't work doesn't mean constraints don't work right just because a cue didn't work doesn't mean cues don't work Mm -hmm. it's again and like not associating those two together right where it's like again and also because just because your cue didn't work didn't mean that your assessment was wrong Mm -hmm. you just are not getting them to do the move that you're trying to get them to do i'm just obsessed on the other way of being like okay well how do we get them to do the move that we want to do right like that's why we again we might need to go and another thing is like how the body responds. Right. And how you get it to actually, uh, as Randy Sullivan would say, would like give a damn. Like, how do you make the body give a damn about doing that move? I have to make the body care. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, okay. well, why would the body care? Well, it's like, you know, for example, like if it's under load, if it's under load, like, for example, Let's say I'm trying to get a co-contraction in the opposite direction. I don't want them to sway. Okay, well, if I pull them into a sway, now all of a sudden I made the body care, right? I made I over-exaggerated the movement and I made the body go, oh, no, I don't want this to happen. Now this is a serious problem. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to uh, escalate the issue and make it really bad, mm-hmm. right? Where now the body has to really overemphasize the other thing. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'm adding a perturbation with, a, you know, again, maybe it could be a, a band. It could be a water ball. It could be... Um, whatever right it could be a step back and now i'm just adding an extra force i'm making them jump i'm making them step off a box i'm making them i'm doing something that's causing the hip to do what i want it to do because mm-hmm. um, it has to in this circum circumstance if they want to perform this you know to a high level you know to do that and how much can, can i constrain that that's another thing too is like okay now we get into constraints i add one constraint and it's like mm, it's good but i don't like how he's turning in his knee okay then we add a second constraint now we give him, okay, hey, your knee, your knee can't come off this hurdle the whole time. Mm-hmm. Your other foot has to stay on this farm board or you're striding onto a farm board. We're also hitting heavy balls. We're also going from launch. We're also doing it from this angle. We're also, and that now you stack, you know, just like, you, you almost want to look at it like, I think an, a clear way of people to understand this is almost like supplements, right? If you stack, like one supplement might be effective, but not great, mm-hmm. not super effective. But if we stack... Five supplements on top of sleep, on mm-hmm. s- top of recovery, on top of yeah. my mobility work, on top of all these things. One by themselves might not be super effective, but if we hit this from multiple different angles with multiple different con- constraints stacked on top of each other, sometimes we can really, again, we can make the body give a damn where it's like, that's no longer an option and I need mm-hmm. to take away those other options. Like if I wanted you to drive down a certain road, and there was 50 routes you could take. Well, one of the ways if I want to guide you down that road is to eliminate those other options. Mm -hmm. And I can do that by constraints where blocking off the road and saying road closed. But I can also do that by also convincing you, hey, if you drive down this road, there is 50 potholes and it's going to be a miserable experience, Mm -hmm. right? Or if you drive down this road, um, there's a cliff Mm -hmm. and it comes out of nowhere and many people have lost their lives on this road, right? Now the brain's like, okay, so what is left? Like, Okay, there's these three other options that I can go down. Um, This one might lead to injury or whatever. Maybe the other one is like that other option. Right. And you start to constrain that and then you guide them down that path of why they should be trying to go down this one road or not. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a whole nother thing. It's one thing to be able to coach like that. It's a whole nother thing to be like, first off, you want to make sure that you're leading them down the best road. I mean, to the to the greatest destination. Obviously, coaches are trying not to lead them to the worst place. But I told you this, too. If I've gotten so good at changing patterns, that I better be right in the way that we're going because I'm changing the pattern. Yeah. Right. It's just, are we headed down the, are we headed to a place that we actually should be going? Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, but that's a good different problem to have. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you can keep that in the, in the forefront, right. It's like, I got so good at changing patterns. Like I better be sure that this is the route that this player needs to take rather than, cause I'm going to change the pattern. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, Yeah, I I need to make sure that we're heading in the right direction.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then and then, too, this is kind of I mean, I want to say is back when first started shadowing you, you would use like your toolbox as an example. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, that's just really clarified things uh, from a coaching perspective for me is like, you know, just because you've been using your hammer a lot recently because there's a lot of nails. Right. There's a lot of people that are pushing like they come in and then we have four kids that are like predominantly that's their problem. So using your hammer a lot doesn't mean your screwdriver is not valuable. You For know? Sure. and then also to understanding like you can use the the nail or the screwdriver or whatever the task is as an athlete like yeah just because right now you have a lot of nails you have a lot yeah. of pushers doesn't yeah. mean that there aren't some screws out there right For sure and then i don't need my screwdriver and yeah. then too like i've noticed that like where we flip and we flop at times or like you know different times of the year people are playing more different yeah. you know have programs, different conversation right it's like You know, uh, at one point in time, uh, a player was predominantly, you know, uh, struggling with pushing and, you know, and then they get a little spinny and it's like, okay, So we have conversations about something completely
0: different or or they fall into that habit where they weren't doing that for four months um, where that wasn't a major issue for them or it wasn't the biggest fire that they had in their swing. Right. Like it's like, hey, right now, lowest hanging fruit is. Yeah. Right now you're facing you're facing a high school pitchers that you know for example I'll will say this for example people would probably argue the opposite but I would argue this point in high school I don't think your approach is really crazy mm. right and what I mean by that is the pitchers suck and they're not hitting their spot anyways right they're if the major leagues they're missing their spot on average by like 15 you know inches or whatever a high school pitcher is missing his spot by whatever. you're probably going to get a fastball down the middle in high school mm-hmm. like at some point you're probably going to get a fastball down the middle if we have a good enough move right? And again, you're moving generally better than everybody, which isn't very hard at the high school level, especially if you're coming in here and you're training, like again, on the the same note of that, like, like dude, like if we can't be on time for a fastball down the middle, right? You're going to have way more problems than me going like, and again, can your approach help you be on time for a fastball down? Sure. Right. But again, generally along with that, it's also understanding what an approach really is. Right. And that's, again, a whole nother, you know, we, we've talked about this in, in some capacities and other podcasts and things is just understanding that, again, most of the time an approach is changing how you move. Mm-hmm. Right. When I'm thinking my approach is get a middle inside fastball and, and pull them as hard as I can. Okay. Right, that's going to change how I move. Mm -hmm. If I if my approach is they all shifted on me and the right side of the infield super open because he's holding them on at first. Second baseman is shifted behind second base. The four hole is completely open and all I got to do is generally slap a ball in the four hole right now and we got a hit. That's going to change how I move. Mm -hmm. Right. If it's a situation where I need to hit a deep fly ball, it's going to change how I move. Mm -hmm. If it's a situation where I need to get a hit and this guy is completely disgusting and he has a dirty slider Mm -hmm. and his fastball is ninety four and I'm in high school that's going to completely change how I move, right? All of those things are going to change how I move too. And so like understanding that as well is that again, it's not saying that everybody likes to go to the extreme again, right? Where it's like, well, he said that movement is so much more movement is, Again, like, let's say if we had to put a percentage on it, let's say 70% of that. And also at different levels, that's going to be a different capacity, right? On a different spectrum of what's more important at what time. As you go up through levels, approach is going to be even... It's going to be crazy more important, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Of understanding, like, because you can't can't be trying to hit everything, right? But at a lower level, the best athlete, right? The best mover is going to win a lot, right. you know what I'm saying? Comparatively to the guy that just, you know, again, and also, too, the guy that has... The elite approach, too, he's also probably going to win because he's just yeah. better than other people. Yeah. So it's like, and a lot of times, if he's that committed to his approach, he's probably a decent mover, too, because he probably puts in all the time that he does in the cage, too. Yeah. So it's like, sometimes we can associate these other things and go, well, he was the best, he had the best approach. So, on all my best hitters, I'm going to get them to have the best. No, no, no. Like, that was part of his little mix. Mm-hmm. And if you got another player, I also have plenty of players that have no approach. Mm-hmm. This is their approach. Yeah. Their approach is if he throws anything over this white thing, yeah. I'm going to hit him really hard. Yeah. I don't care what he throws, I don't care who's on the mound, I don't care all those other right like and that guy could be your best hitter on your entire team for the next 10 years. It yeah. and and like you got to understand that there's both, right? There's both. But generally more often than not when it comes to like again, if you just have better technique, than most guys at that level because pitching again is just mm-hmm. not dominant enough. Yeah. To at those levels to yeah. mess you up. Yeah, and yeah. two
1: just just a you know a final thoughts on that is I mean we have between the people that we have here in house, you know I can say there's a probably a third of them that don't have a really in depth approach other mm-hmm. than like their approach is make sure my routine's in place so when I get up to the plate, I'm ready to rock and roll. That's, yeah. that's like, that's their I'm going to get a good pitch to yeah, hit. I'm going to put a good swing on And, and like they very, very effective yeah. like that. And For then, sure. too, there's also some that are so particular um, with where they're at. Also, you know, different movers, you know, how they think yeah. about things are different. Like, we have a lefty that when I say hit a ground ball through the six hole, he drags the barrel, pulls his hands across, slices everything. I tell him hit a ground ball to the shortstop and he moves completely different and yep. starts, you know he spreads the the field like crazy like gap yep. to gap and it's like well the, that affects his movement, you know, from mm-hmm. six hole to shortstop for whatever reason in his brain yep. that clicks the sequencing, the D cells, yep. the the orientation that he's creating, yep. all of that, how he strikes the ball, his entry into the zone, it changes night and day difference yep. just from that slight little adjustment from six hole to shortstop. You mean you can't
0: you just give everybody the same approach?
1: Yeah, well, you know, try that. Right? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, but so
0: yeah, that and that that with that, right? It's the, the same thing like you're talking about too. Is like then we get into uh, the approach talks and like okay, let's say. If it's, let's say it's 30%, right, at whatever level, you can put whatever, you can mm. associate it to pro level, high whatever, whatever level you want to put this at. Okay, 30% and with that. 30% is significant. Mm. That's a big part of your performance. Yeah. It's not to say it's not important, but also on the other end of that, right, as well. I can't say, when I've seen so many players that have a general approach of, I'm going to get a good pitch to hit and put a good swing on it, or... I'm trying to drive a double. I'm trying to get a pitch I can hit for a double until I get two strikes. Mm-hmm. Like, I have so many guys, like, I'm hunting down the middle. Like, all, that happens so often, mm-hmm. right? Is again on the same side of that. Like, and I would argue the opposite way. It's just our lens of how we look at movement. If a guy's like, well, this guy doesn't move too well, um, this guy doesn't move too well, but because his approach is so good, is why he hits. I would also argue, too, if I'm watching the guy move, he probably moves pretty well. Mm -hmm. You just don't think that it's as as aesthetic. Like, if you look at Hunter Pence and you go, oh, well, he doesn't move very well. When I look at Hunter Pence, I'm like, he does a lot of things really well. A
1: lot of things, yeah.
0: You just aesthetically don't like that it isn't super smooth and flowy Mm -hmm. and all these other things. But when I look from a biomechanical lens and how well he's transferring energy, and then from a technique lens of, like, is he actually stopping? Is he transferring speed up his body? Does he have space? Does he have direction? All these other things. I'm looking at Hunter Pence and going, like, that guy's going to hit. Mm -hmm. so there's also a different lens and i think that's why people get confused if it doesn't look because this is the thing and when people say well he's got a pretty swing but he can't hit i bet you his swing is very flowy and i'm sure it looks like very like smooth and whatever that's not what i'm talking about Mm -hmm. And and that's what a lot of people associate it with is like are you actually doing things that actually transfer that actually create movements that actually create hits and if that evaluation is off Again, it's going to throw you and lead you astray.
1: Yeah, well, they just use that same example. I mean, the the kid's approach, let's call it, is different, right? Mm-hmm. He's trying to hit a ground ball at the six-hole to the shortstop on, let's say, it's a, a BP fastball or a machine fastball in this instance, just in a controlled setting in the cage. His moves are dramatically different. So when I'm giving him that approach, yes, is that approach important, and what is he hunting important but even more important, did that approach get him to move in a way that allows him to be effective? Yeah. You know, uh, in, in my opinion, you know, yeah. it's like my, my goal with that approach thought was that was a way to connect with him yeah. to get him to move the way that I think is going to allow him to be yeah. the most effective.
0: And there's levels to that game, right? There's levels to the game. You got this might be a great approach for him as a sophomore, mm-hmm. as a freshman, right, in high school. But when he's a freshman or sophomore in college, right, that might – that completely move or for example, Hey, we progress that and go, Hey, I know that we've talked about this and you've done a great job at this, right? When you do this, but when you're in two, Oh, when you're in three, one, when there's a situation where we, like I had this, this happened to one time. Um, this is funny because, uh, coach Norris, when I was in in high school, he was coaching third base, right? He's our head coach. And he was big on like Joey, your approach line drive over the second baseman's head, keep Mm. the ball out of the air you know, low to the ground, one hoppers through the infield, all that stuff. I didn't have a lot of pop. I was a small dude, didn't have a lot of weight behind me. It made a lot of sense. I was a, I was a, a sophomore playing up in varsity and I was like 140 pounds maybe, mm. right? Maybe, okay? So his approach for me, I think I was like 125, right? It's like his approach for me made a lot of sense for what I was gonna go do. But then I remember when at bat, bases were loaded. It was like a 2 count. the uh, The other team called time, went out and talked to the pitcher. Did all those other things, and I walked up to him when they called time, and I walked up to Norris at on on third base, and I'm like, I'm like, hit, like just hit it, like made a situation where like infield was playing back, and I was like just hit a ground ball to second base. Right. And he's like, he's like, no, absolutely not. Do the Joey thing. Drive a ball right now. Like drive a ball right now. Like get a ball, the hammer. Right. And then he gives me that. And like, I had a double in the gap the very next pitch. Cause like, he's like, you're going to get a fastball right now. Like X, Y, and Z, like your approach, your typical approach might be the best scenario right now. Cause we do need a deep fly ball. Right. And I know you can do that. It doesn't, you don't have to hit one out right now. Mm-hmm. It's okay. If you hit a deep pop-up right now, like That scores us a run and like also might get an extra base hit. And that changed in that that environment. And also, too, that was three quarters of the way through the year where he needed to get me to the point where when I ran over the third base, I'm like, I'm going to hit this line drive or hit a ground ball the opposite way. right? But he's thinking, dude, if you have that approach right now, there's a good chance that you could hit into a double play ball that ends this inning right, or gets us two outs and we only score a run where it's like, no, this is a situation like put a ball in the air, mm-hmm. right, put a ball in the air, stay out of the double play, we probably score a run, everybody advances, we might score multiple runs here and it's only one out, rather than, you know, my approach at that moment might have led us into a double play ball that would have really changed the, you know, that inning.
1: Uh, but yeah, so so basically from uh, from the message I got, like, this last weekend and, and uh, you know, applying it to, like, players and coaches and everything like that, you know, I think Obviously, we can go on. We say this every time. It's like we can go on for hours about hitting or... Failing I think, think you we know, have a podcast. An approach, you know, right? That we can just it's keep talking like, about. So, but, but I think, you know, from a general, you know, lens, I think that covers a lot of, you know, kind of what was going on in my head and, you know, some stuff that I thought would be really valuable for players. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I think that covers all the... You no, know, all the, the checks, the checks all the boxes. And, um, you know, we'll save some topics for the next podcast so we can do another, so... All right,
0: cool. Let me pray this out. Um, dear Father, thank you so much for uh, this time that we spent today together, uh, God. Um, God, give us uh, just the ability to just see the context and the beautiful like depths of your creation, God, and all the ways that um, there's so much diversity, God. There's so many different things for us to take in. There's so many considerations for us to make, and all the considerations that you've already made, God, um, all the things that you've already made. Um, and the wisdom that you're trying to uh, bestow upon us, God, as we go through these situation, uh, you know, open our hearts for us to lean into you and just understand and trust uh, where you're guiding us. And with all of these um, with all these dynamic situations that you're you're leading us, because, God, you know what's next. You know what's to come. Um, you are the creator of tomorrow. And we just uh, ask us, ask you to remind us of that throughout um, throughout our day. Um, we ask for all these things in Jesus mighty name. Amen. Mm. Amen. Amen. Well, until next time, farm system out.